On June 28, 1914, a Serbian revolutionary assassinated the Austro-Hungarian Archduke Franz Ferdinand and his wife Sophie. This seismic event, intended to keep the Slavic people from being a part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, created a tension between some of the European superpowers. As Russia sided with the Serbians, Austria-Hungary sought protection and help from Germany. Acting quickly, Germany declared war on Russia and France, an ally of Russia. Ready to invade France, Germany prepared to cross through Belgium, which at the time was a neutral territory. That spurred Great Britain to join in the battle and to declare war on Germany. Within a month after the Archduke's assassination, World War I had begun. History has been marked by these seismic events, these sparks that set off a chain reaction and whose impact is far-reaching and era-defining. And in the history of Star Wars and collecting, a series of seismic moments occurring over the decades have propelled the franchise and its memorabilia to levels even George Lucas never imagined. This is a look back at the different eras of Star Wars fandom and collecting. This is an exploration of the seismic events within the Star Wars timeline in the half-century since the premiere of A New Hope. This is a collector's perspective on the Star Wars journey thus far. And this is Star Wars Prototypes and Production. Star Wars collecting. We all know that interest and values have dipped in almost every corner of the collecting world in the past year. Comics and trading cards, likely the two biggest markets in collecting, each soared to unimaginable heights over the past few years, and have since dipped precipitously from their peaks. Toys would be the third sizable collector's market, and at the forefront would be Star Wars. It is arguably the most connective, most nostalgic, and most relevant franchise, gaining new fans daily. Star Wars appeals to 5-year-olds and 55-year-olds, and often with a similar fervor. The love for it is largely connected by family experiences, and multiple generations often view a new show or film together. And whether it's the Kenner toys of yesteryear or the modern Hasbro offerings, the collectibles and action figures offer a way for Star Wars fans to grasp the intangible and to capture a bit of what they love about the stories in physical form. And as a fellow diehard Star Wars fan and collector, I've been following the trends and shifts in collecting for more than a decade. I've experienced Star Wars when it was out of the spotlight, before it was thrust back onto the world stage. I've encountered moments where the announcement of a Star Wars film or series electrifies fans of every age like nothing before it. I've witnessed the hobby growing larger and more relevant than I ever imagined it. And more recently, I've seen some signs of fatigue among the fan base and collectors. Are we at the tail end of a long and fascinating era of collecting? Or are we possibly entering a brand new, uncharted direction for the franchise and the galactic souvenirs it has produced? And when will the next seismic Star Wars moment occur? My thesis is pretty straightforward. Over the past decade, we've seen a few seismic moments that ushered in a new era of collecting. 
Each era was sparked by something substantial, causing a flood of new collectors to funnel into the hobby. These collectors were usually searching for something in their lives, and Star Wars memorabilia became the talisman guiding their journeys. Eras may also be marked by a downturn, whether it be in overall interest or in the values of the items themselves. Certain factors may result in an exodus of the more casual collectors, or even some of the more ardent enthusiasts. And running parallel to these major momentum shifts is a philosophical impact, one that jolts collectors by disrupting their current rhythms. It is during this time in which collectors step off the moving track, look around, look inward, and ask themselves important questions. A few examples are, why am I collecting? What is the purpose of collecting in my life? Is my hobby or community a healthy influence? Is this where I should be devoting my time? And it is this type of reassessment that is so crucial. It helps to get collectors back on track, not only with their collections, but in their larger aspects of their lives as well. And so I think we've reached that point this year. Collectors have stepped off the carousel, which, if we're being honest, can be a fun ride, but can also be a rough one, too. It can be expensive, time-consuming, and burdensome. And more collectors are re-examining their lives, lightening the loads they've acquired in the previous years when the momentum was different. They're figuring out what means something to them, whether that refers to the items they own or want, the relationships they've developed within the Star Wars and collecting community, or their own personal roles within the hobby. Changes are taking place. A lot of this is happening behind the scenes and internally. But it's happening on such a large scale that if you pay attention, you can actually see the shift. And to get an idea of where we're headed, it often helps to look back on where we've been and how we've arrived at where we are currently. Here's a look at some of the seismic shifts over the decades. The Timeline Before we dive into the events of the previous decade, let's look at the three seismic moments that led to the three definitive eras during the first 30 years of Star Wars. Each is responsible for bringing the fandom and the hobby to where it is today. The first seismic event centered around Star Wars' introduction to the world. Playing off of a trilogy title motif, I'll call this era a new film. The 1977 movie not only changed filmmaking forever, but captivated a global audience like nothing before it. Star Wars fandom emerged from that initial wave sparked by the original trilogy and ran from the late 1970s into the mid-1980s. Those three films sent both children and adult fans on a mission. Whether it was the action figures or anything else bearing the Star Wars logo, the goal was to collect it all. And the films were so good, the characters were so connective, that many happily accepted that challenge. This seismic event established a decades-long relationship between Star Wars and its fans. But the end of the trilogy meant the end of Star Wars stories on the big screen. George Lucas, burnt out and exhausted, froze the world of Star Wars in Carbonite, a hibernation period only he could revive. Interest in the films and figures quickly waned as other properties took the spotlight in theaters, on television, in video games, and in the toy aisles. And while there were still ardent fans keeping their smaller torches of fandom lit, the general public moved on. After all, the 1980s were such fertile fields for attractive properties and stories. With films like Ghostbusters, animated shows like Transformers, video game systems like the Nintendo, and a comic market that was about to explode in popularity after a long dormant period, Star Wars quietly slipped into the background for the next few years. 
Continuing with our play on the film titles, the second seismic event was what I would call the Nostalgia Strikes Back. It began during a period that many refer to as the Dark Times, taking place after Return of the Jedi finalized the trilogy's run in theaters, and Kenner produced its final figures for the vintage toy line and through the end of the 1980s. Timothy Zahn's novel, Heir to the Empire, brought Star Wars back into the spotlight in 1991, kicking off a period in which fans from the previous decade reconnected with the franchise. Heir to the Empire brought with it a healthy mix of nostalgia and an excitement for all new stories. At once, fans were reunited with Luke, Leia, and Han, but were also introduced to characters like Mara Jade and one of the greatest Star Wars villains, Grand Admiral Thrawn. Steve Sansweet's collecting bible, Star Wars From Concept to Screen to Collectible, was released in 1992. It became a roadmap for collecting and allowed those who played with the toys and owned many of them during the trilogy's run in theaters to view the memorabilia in an all-new light. The book also illuminated the vastness of what existed, what could be hunted down, and what could be collected. And Star Wars stayed relevant throughout the 1990s, with multimedia rollouts like Shadows of the Empire, a heavy video game presence, and the Dark Empire comics. 1995's introduction of the Power of the Force 2 action figure collection further ignited the collecting frenzy, increasing the values of both the vintage figures and the new releases. There was something magical about returning to stores again and seeing Star Wars action figures adorning the shelves and end caps. This era reached its zenith with the 20th anniversary of Star Wars, as the original trilogy returned to theaters in 1997. Again, nostalgia played a tremendous role in the excitement around the property, and the special editions gave fans another reason to revisit the action figures of their childhoods. So the era of this second seismic event established Star Wars as a continuing saga with a future, and transformed the memorabilia into true collectibles, as fans of the trilogy reconnected with the characters and the souvenirs of the past 20 years. Unlike with most of the eras that came before or will come after, there was no real downturn in interest at the end of this era. Instead, the momentum propelled by the Power of the Force 2 line and the special editions was thrust into the stratosphere at the end of the decade with an event that brought Star Wars to another level, and justifiably into a new era. The third seismic event was what I'll call the return of the films. Soon after the special editions ended their theatrical run, the prequel trilogy premiered in 1999, beginning with Episode One: The Phantom Menace, the first Star Wars movie in 16 years. The film was at once a nostalgic beacon for those who experienced the original trilogy in theaters. It was also a new Star Wars story for an entirely new generation of young fans. Adults who formerly grew up with the Kenner toys now joined the children of the new century in hunting down the Episode One Hasbro figures, snatching them up in the Midnight Madness gatherings and at any store that carried these waves of new characters. Expectations for these films were high. If George Lucas set out to make a trilogy that was markedly different from the first, he succeeded, but not likely in the manner he intended. The films were groundbreaking and were visually beautiful, but they were bogged down by clunky scripts, wooden acting, an over-reliance on new CGI technology, complex political arcs, and a failure to connect with general audiences. For many, the prequels simply lacked the magic that made the original trilogy so memorable and so special. And these longtime Star Wars fans view the new trilogy as a disappointment. This era lasted through the three prequels, but died down considerably by the time Anakin Skywalker became Darth Vader in 2005's finale, Revenge of the Sith. It had established a new trilogy for a new generation of Star Wars fans but came at the cost of turning off many of the fans of the original trilogy. And it was time once again for Star Wars to take a breather. From here, the die-hard vintage collectors remained, 
Those who enjoyed the prequels continued their fandom as Lucasfilm shifted its focus to the small screen stories, with the introduction of the Clone Wars television series. But the series was not enough to recapture the larger fan base that the movies once held. Instead, audiences gravitated to a new wave of superhero films, led by Sony's Spider-Man, Warner Brothers' Batman, and Marvel's Iron Man, and his fellow Avengers. Harry Potter ruled the decade, becoming a global and cultural phenomenon akin to the era of Star Wars from the 1970s and 80s. Hasbro continued to release Star Wars characters for its action figure lines, and some of the more memorable ones from this time period were the 2007 30th Anniversary Collection, the 2008 Legacy Collection, and the animated Clone Wars line. The Star Wars Celebration conventions also helped to keep the fires of the fandom burning, and message boards like Rebel Scum provided collectors with hubs to connect with one another to buy and to sell rare items, and to arrange meetups around Star Wars-related events. New collectors continued to enter the hobby, often with a goal of recapturing the toys of their childhoods. Many collected on their own without becoming a part of the community that existed at that time. Prized vintage Kenner prototypes and pre-production pieces were much more accessible then. The prices were but a mere fraction of what they are today. Even in 2008, you could purchase the original artwork for the Droids and Ewoks cardbacks for a few thousand dollars each. And most of the photo art for a number of the Return of the Jedi cardbacks were selling in the same price range throughout the prequel trilogy's run. The advent of the prequels continued the marketing and merchandising blitz that began in the 1990s. Episode 1 and its sequels offered the rare second chance to recapture the magic that many associate with that first viewing of the original films. And the nostalgic pull was so great, so immense, that it reignited the Star Wars fandom in a frenzied and spectacular way. In doing so, it also set unrealistic expectations that a second trilogy would likely never reach. With the prequels, Lucas aimed to do something different. He did not want to rehash the stories he told previously. The new technology and the new direction for the franchise was different, but was less engaging to an audience once mesmerized by the original trilogy. And as the first decade of the new millennium came to a close, Star Wars had stepped out of the spotlight and had moved away from the mainstream. And in order for it to regain its position on the global stage, For it to resonate with a worldwide audience and to take hold of the cultural zeitgeist, it would need to embrace a new story for a new generation. It would need to bring back the characters that made Star Wars so popular from the beginning. And it would need to return to theaters. George Lucas shocked the world on October 30th, 2012. He and Disney CEO Bob Iger announced a deal in which the Star Wars creator would be handing over control of the franchise and of his company Lucasfilm to the Walt Disney Company. Iger confirmed that Disney would produce a third trilogy, taking place decades after Return of the Jedi. And it would include Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill, and members from the original Beloved cast. This announcement was another seismic event that kicked off another major era for Star Wars collectors and fans. And while there was a worldwide excitement and anticipation for Han, Luke, and Leia to return to theaters after a 30-year absence, the momentum among Star Wars fans increased slowly. Part of the reason for this was the fact that there was a substantial downtime between the October 2012 announcement and the release of Episode 7. To put it into perspective, it was similar to having your favorite band announce a tour, and then having to wait months for the concert to arrive. It's easy to forget that with this 2012 deal, Disney was under pressure to produce a film as soon as possible, to begin capitalizing on its $4 billion investment in Lucasfilm. 
but most of the next two years were spent racing to figure out the look, feel, and script of the next story in the franchise. Still, the opportunity to see our former heroes return for another trilogy once again ignited the nostalgia for the stories of decades past. And one by one, collectors and fans sought ways to reconnect to Star Wars. And for many, it was through the toys and the films. Collecting can often be a solitary hobby. And most Star Wars collectors from that era will tell you that they either began or returned to collecting by attending flea markets and toy shows, or buying pieces from an online platform like eBay. But most ventured out alone. But this era had an element that previous eras lacked. The advent of social media. Facebook and its myriad groups became cantinas, hosting like-minded collectors. The platform offered clubs and pages that catered to a wider swath of Star Wars fans, as well as niche groups that centered around the minutiae of the toys and collectibles. Here, collectors connected in real time, posting endless streams of comments and photos, all related to Star Wars. The social media groups felt more fluid and immediate, more personal and real than a chat forum like Rebel Scum. But its adoption didn't happen immediately. Collectors slowly migrated to places like Facebook. They used the groups to meet others, to learn about the existing regional collecting clubs, and to plan meetups and events around Star Wars celebration, toy shows, and other gatherings. But again, this coming together, this migration from collecting solo to collecting in a community and finding a way into these groups, took years to really gather steam. In November of 2014, the promise of a new Star Wars film became a reality. The first trailer premiered, showcasing new characters, new lightsabers, new droids and stormtroopers, and the return of the Millennium Falcon. The teaser trailer was a starting pistol for many collectors. Star Wars was a visible, nearly tangible entity once more and the gravity-testing flight of the Falcon was likely a catalyst for many to dig out their childhood vehicles, or to begin the hunt for them. The slow build back for the general audience changed. All of these collectors, who were traveling at their own pace on local roads, suddenly converged onto one highway, happily zooming toward the upcoming film's release date. And what really started to materialize in 2014 grew exponentially over the next year. The second teaser trailer in April of 2015, on Star Wars' biggest stage at Celebration, gave us our first look in 30 years at Harrison Ford as Han Solo. After that, Han Solo figures disappeared from eBay as quickly as they were listed. Star Wars was hot again, and while the diehard fans were energized over the new footage, the casual fans began to notice as well. It's simply fun to be a part of something that captures the attention of a large audience. A culture forms around that fandom, and the act of sharing in that moment with a larger group amplifies those feelings of excitement, discovery, and anticipation, and brings them to new heights. We see that same fervor and buzz around a convention like Star Wars Celebration, where the world that encompasses the event becomes just as important as the event itself. And the vintage collectibles caught fire. The instantaneous news feeds of Facebook flashed rare and desirable figures on an endless cycle. Every time you opened Facebook, you were seeing something new, something you hadn't seen before or hadn't seen in years, and you were seeing it from someone you didn't know yet. Experiencing this nonstop flood of newness and nostalgia flickering through our feeds like spinning casino reels was exhilarating. As Star Wars helped us to make friends as children, it returned to that role and became a unifier for nostalgic adults that never forgot that formative patois. And the desire to devour as much Star Wars as possible hit new levels, as collectors showcased rarer and rarer items. For many, it opened the door to the idea that prototypes, the earliest examples of what became iconic figures, vehicles, and playsets, as well as the ephemera and original art behind the design and promotion of the toys, could actually be purchased. There was something about tracing the timeline of a toy back to its origin, and the archaeological remnants that survived 
were viewed as true treasures among a growing audience. By the time The Force Awakens premiered, however, most of the meaningful prototypes had been locked away in collections for years. Longtime collectors had acquired them when they were cheaper and when far fewer people were interested or were even aware of them. So the majority of the prototypes for sale in 2015 were ones that were less desirable and were closer to their production counterparts. And collectors that were desperate to add a pre-production item were often willing to pay multiple times what they may have been truly worth. Engineering pilots, the batches of production figures with markings on their feet that were subjected to heat and to play conditions, are at the bottom of the collecting pyramid when it comes to prototypes and pre-production pieces. But people were willing to pay thousands for one. And some of the more common Cantina Alien first-shot prototypes were selling for $10,000 or more. As with any hobby that experiences a sharp rise in popularity, the newer collectors were less informed when it came to prices and how items were valued. And the owners of these pieces, who likely purchased them for hundreds of dollars, or sometimes under a hundred dollars, were happy to sell them for thousands. But to the vast majority, the production figures were the key. Carded and still sealed in their original blisters, or loose and ready to display, they were the bridges that brought most collectors back to the era when Star Wars first hit theaters. The original 12 figures were some of the most sought-after characters, and they skyrocketed in price, and collectors clamored to procure them. Also popular were the ones from the Power of the Force line at the end of Kenner's run in 1985, whose values were higher due to their smaller production numbers. Collect them all became the mantra again. For some, it was a long-term project, a slow-paced checklist where the journey was a large part of the experience. For others, it was a race to finish it as quickly as possible, only to move on to the next Star Wars run. The success of The Force Awakens established Star Wars dominance over popular culture in yet another decade, and the fact that it was the first in what would be a continuous string of film releases throughout the remainder of the 2010s propelled the collecting frenzy even further. But like all collecting markets, there were moments where interest in certain areas of the action figure universe dipped. In 2016, this era experienced its first decrease in prices, mainly of the 12 back figures. They had been some of the most desirable and most expensive ones in the previous two years. But after the initial buzz of The Force Awakens died down, and with the two-year gap between it and the sequel, interest died down. Those who had initially wanted them likely owned them by that point. And since they are more common than most would believe, the supply of available carded 12-backs outweighed the demand at the time. And although collecting was still going strong after that, the hobby seemed to take a bit of a breather during the second half of 2016 and into the first few months of 2017. Some of the more casual fans who were caught up in the hype during the release of The Force Awakens gradually disappeared. I remember being surprised to see carded Power of the Force Luke Stormtrooper figures, which at a high grade would sell for almost $1,000, then dipping to under $600. But by the time April came, the excitement of another Star Wars celebration in Orlando and the reveal of the first trailer for Episode Eight spiked interest and prices of collectibles again. By the end of 2017, Star Wars looked unstoppable and the upcoming sequel was set to become an easy box office smash for Disney. After all, if The Force Awakens was the sequel trilogy's equivalent to A New Hope, then The Last Jedi would be its Empire Strikes Back. But as you likely know, The Last Jedi did not turn out to be the adored middle chapter. Instead, it became the most divisive Star Wars moment in history. Audiences objected to how Luke was presented, with even Mark Hamill describing the character as, maybe he's Jake Skywalker, he's not my Luke Skywalker. And the story's pacing, character arcs, and direction frustrated fans, completely turning off many to the sequel trilogy. 
That frustration led to a heavy disappointment among those who felt like the magic and purpose of Star Wars was disappearing. A wariness among collectors and fans set in, and a larger interest in the action figures and the memorabilia from all three trilogies sagged again. The rises and dips in interest and in value is a natural progression when it comes to collectibles, especially with ones from a franchise like Star Wars. The fan base is an intensely passionate one. When the content connects, like it did with The Force Awakens, it equates to a box office and merchandising windfall for Disney. And both casual and serious collectors clamor for pieces of that excitement. However, when a large portion of the fan base doesn't like something, that group becomes very vocal, which can be tough for a company to fix. And with the fallout from The Last Jedi, that relationship was likely irreparable in the eyes of many fans. The months leading up to 2019's sequel finale, Episode 9: The Rise of Skywalker, were filled with uncertainty. There was this feeling, especially after the Skywalker saga ended that December, that the era of a film-based era of Star Wars was ending. For the first time in more than 40 years, Star Wars was without an anchor. And I think a number of collectors considered the future of Star Wars, what part of it would still be there for them, and whether they wanted to continue collecting. At that same time, however, an unlikely savior took the place of the films and became the center of Star Wars. The series The Mandalorian premiered on the Disney Plus streaming service in November, and after the first episode's big reveal of the little Yoda-like creature, the world became obsessed with Din Djarin and the baby. The Mandalorian became a cultural phenomenon. Still, heading into 2020, Disney did not have Mandalorian action figures ready to sell, opting to keep the characters a tight secret even from Hasbro and its other partners. The show certainly sparked enthusiasm for the potential of the small-screen Disney Plus streaming service offerings, but collecting seemed to be muted in the first months of the year. But what none of us realized was that an all-new era in Star Wars collecting was approaching. One that was led by an event that would have an impact not just on Star Wars fandom, and not just on Star Wars collectibles, but on collectibles of every kind. The seismic event that kicked off that whirlwind era for Star Wars fans beginning in 2012 was Disney's purchase of the franchise, and the sequel trilogy that followed. And while the first few months of 2020 were rather uneventful from a galactic perspective, once March hit, everything changed. The COVID-19 pandemic swept from continent to continent, bringing with it a quarantine and an unprecedented period of isolation. The stock market crashed at the end of February and throughout March, as investors digested the severity of the virus's impact. There were times, and I think we tend to forget this now, that it felt like the world would never go back to the way it had been only weeks earlier. A collector friend had reached out to me the week the quarantine began. He texted me saying, There goes the collecting market. And I think most of us would have agreed with him at that point. After all, with what we faced in those early months, Star Wars and toys were some of the least important things. But how wrong we were. The pandemic ushered in a new era for Star Wars and collecting. It was another seismic event that catapulted the Star Wars fandom to a new level, and a number of factors heightened the interest in Star Wars during the quarantine. Disney was in the process of shifting the focus of its content from theatrical releases to its streaming service. And with more people forced to be home, Disney Plus became the place to revisit the Skywalker saga, and to catch up on series that viewers may have missed, like The Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels. Family viewing at home became another element that sparked a resurgence in the Star Wars fandom. Adults who had grown up with the films were now sharing them with their children, or were experiencing shows like The Mandalorian and the newly released seventh season of The Clone Wars for the first time together. 
The time spent at home also gave collectors an opportunity to assess their respective collections. Since the premiere of The Force Awakens, collecting had moved at such a frenzied pace. Many of us had little time to think or to even appreciate our collections. There was always some place to be, some place to go, something to buy. There were a flurry of conventions and meetups and toy shows, and every day something new popped up for sale on Facebook and on eBay. It was a rhythm that became normal to us. The pandemic changed that for a while. Without being able to travel and shunned from the usual experiences like going to the movies or work or church or really anything, the focus shifted inward, into the collection room, and more importantly, into the heart and soul of collecting. Collectors stepped back from their collections and leaned into figuring out which items meant something to each of them and which ones no longer fit into their respective foci. They curated, they filtered, and they purged. During the first six months of the pandemic, something incredible happened on social media. The Facebook collecting group Deal or No Deal became a Star Wars enthusiast auction house, where collectors passed on items to other collectors and bid on ones that better fit their interests. And the prototypes and rare items that would usually sell privately or would only be offered to collectors who had established themselves within the community over a period of years suddenly became available to a wider audience, to the highest bidder. eBay became a frequented hunting ground, as well as a place for collectors to let go of the figures and pieces they no longer wanted. More and more Star Wars-focused sales groups popped up as amateur dealers and resellers looked to capitalize on the craze. But all this movement was occurring beyond the Star Wars community, too. Collectors from every corner of the memorabilia world were stuck at home for an extended period of time. And everything from vintage to modern, from Pokemon cards to comics, soared in value. Demand far outweighed what was available. The quarantine disabled many previous inventory avenues for dealers and collectors. Shopping at flea markets, visiting former Kenner and Hasbro employees, and doing in-person deals were largely off-limits at that time. And collecting became a seller's market virtually overnight. Graded items sold for a premium, and soon grading companies from every corner of the collectibles market were overwhelmed with orders pushing turnaround times back by months or even years. Investors and speculators with deep pockets searched for the next hot market and threw large sums of money at anything that had the remote possibility of returning a profit. But most of the general investors were busy with other areas of the collecting world and largely ignored Star Wars for the moment. Among Star Wars fans, modern toy lines experienced a collecting renaissance as well. Fans ordered Black Series and Vintage Collection figures by the caseload, and the older figures from the previous decade shot up in value. 2020 ended with the second season of The Mandalorian. Every time a familiar character would make an appearance in the series, the values of the figures or their first appearances in comic books skyrocketed. With the second season, we welcomed Thrawn, Bo-Katan, and Ahsoka to the live-action Star Wars universe. And in the finale, we were joyfully reunited with the return of the Jedi-era Luke Skywalker. It was an amazing time to be a Star Wars fan, surrounded by compelling content and a buzzing hobby. Soon, Star Wars prices would reach even higher levels than expected, in such a compressed time period. In November of 2021, I did a podcast series with collector and good friend Matt George about the Fall Hakes auction, and the prices realized from the auction hinted that something bigger was bubbling in the hobby. Over that year, the values and interest continued to rise. And while it was hard to imagine it continuing at such a pace, especially after the stock market had already peaked that February and was facing a long downturn, the numbers were undeniable. The trajectory of Star Wars collectibles 
was headed in one direction, up. If 2020 was the year of sports and entertainment cards, and 2021 was the year of comic books, 2022 would be the year of Star Wars collectibles. For the first six months, Star Wars figures and almost anything bearing the iconic logos burned brighter than almost anything else. The Hakes auction in March blew away any expectations, as many production figures sold for record public prices. The rocket-firing Boba Fett, often viewed as the pinnacle of Star Wars prototypes and collecting, broke the $200,000 mark, and was topped only months later when another one reached $236,000 in the June Hakes auction. More sales pages popped up on social media. Toy shows were flooded with amateur dealers, slick in their presentation, with everything slabbed, graded, and at the highest possible prices. A novel element was injected into the higher-end portion of the Star Wars market as well. When it came to pieces like a sealed Millennium Falcon or a carded double-telescoping Luke, speculators delved into fractional investing, basically purchasing shares of an item to own a portion of it and reaping a financial reward as it rose in value and was later resold. It was a seller's market at unfathomable peaks, and throughout the winter and spring, it appeared Star Wars would only continue its dominance. second half of the year told a different story, however. For in July, the rocket-firing Boba Fett prototype sold for exactly $100,000 less than the one from the previous month, even though it was graded higher. For many, this rang an alarm bell that the wild joyride of the past two years would finally come to a halt. There was a feeling that the market had blown up and had gotten way ahead of itself. The world also finally began to open up after being closed for so long. And instead of collecting items, people aimed to collect experiences again, and looked to travel that summer. Adding to that was a challenging economic climate, inflation incessantly hammering at people's wallets, the rising risk of a recession, and the diminishing funds that had been plentiful at the beginning of the pandemic. Many collectors had been priced out of buying what they loved, and suddenly, more and more people headed for the sidelines. Without a constant pool of buyers, many of the amateur dealers and sales site runners saw their inventory stagnate, going unsold. Those who were caught under the spell of the previous few years' momentum believed the prices would only continue to rise. They had purchased figures and prototypes at the height of the market, and in that game of collector's hot potato, they were the ones left holding them with nobody willing to pay what they once did. I use this analogy a lot, but I think it's the most fitting description of what was happening at the time. When it comes to collecting Star Wars, the first few years of the pandemic were like a huge week-long house party, where it was a wild, crazy, fun spectacle, and many were caught up in the moment. And then the second half of 2022 began the aftermath, where the party dissolved into chaos, the partygoers faced the rough realities of a huge hangover, and everyone had to deal with the come-down and the clean-up. In a lot of ways, we're still dealing with the cleanup from it. 2022 also gave us some new Disney Star Wars stories that were, to put it mildly, uneven. What should have been two legitimate home runs, the Book of Boba Fett and the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, were met with frustration from a portion of the fan base, and indifference from others. There were inconsistencies in both the quality of the storytelling and of the productions. Plots were meandering, often lacking direction or weight. 
They featured fascinating ideas that were somehow muddled in their delivery. And summer shows like Stranger Things far eclipsed any lasting effect the Kenobi series would have on popular culture and among younger audiences. And that frustration and indifference toward much of the new content carried throughout the year, causing many to skip what I believe is the best scripted Star Wars story to come out in a very long time, Tony Gilroy's Andor. For all of the good the first two seasons of The Mandalorian did to keep Star Wars relevant to a global audience after the Skywalker saga concluded, the Disney Plus series that followed in 2022 did little to continue that momentum. I did an episode recently about the trends I gleaned from my trip to the Toy-Con NJ toy show. And one of the trends was how collectors seemed to be ignoring many of the current modern Hasbro releases from the Black Series and the Vintage Collection. And I think this speaks to a larger point, that in addition to collectors being overwhelmed by the sheer amount of releases and the rising cost of purchasing each figure, the newer Star Wars stories are not connecting enough with fans. After more than a two-year wait, the third season of The Mandalorian premiered in March of 2023. There were fewer water-cooler moments in it, the kinds that spark passionate conversations on social media and among collectors in the days between episodes. A common sentiment was that this season never really got off the ground, that it spent so much time setting up so many pieces that it never charged ahead with purpose. And it never helps when the main character, Din Djarin, the titular Mandalorian, took a back seat through much of the story. This isn't merely conjecture on my part. According to the industry publication The Wrap, the viewing numbers were down for the series compared to previous seasons. Viewership was trending in the wrong direction for the franchise. If the newer Star Wars stories weren't connecting with a larger audience, that meant the toys and collectibles may also lose their relevance among collectors. This year, there were fewer sparks of hope that what we had experienced in the second half of 2022 was merely one of the short-term dips that was a healthy occurrence in any hobby, one that we had seen in the previous era. February's Morphe auction of a vast vintage Star Wars collection proved that collectors were still excited by the arrival of a newly unearthed trove of vintage treasures. And the larger flea market-style toy shows, like Chicago's Kane County and Ohio's Xenia Toy Show, still drew massive crowds of shoppers searching for collectibles. But how shoppers approached the toy shows largely changed over the past year as well. Gone were the days of the high-dollar purchases. Instead, shoppers targeted items in the range of $50 or less, with many purchases landing under $25. Many of the figures and pieces with price tags in the hundreds or thousands of dollars often went ignored. But it appeared that a large portion of the speculators and general investors had moved on, and the toy show crowds once again consisted of collectors and families, as well as dealers looking to add inventory to their shops. And online and on social media, Star Wars collectibles are going unsold for longer periods of time now and often for prices below the 2022 peaks. Fewer people are buying at the moment, and whether it is due to collectors taking a break to focus on traveling and other summertime events, or something more long-term, is yet to be seen. But there is a feeling of a larger collecting fatigue settling in, and with it, a looming presence of overall fatigue with the Star Wars franchise. Some collectors are experiencing burnout from the pace of the past few years. Other fans are aging away from the core films that first drew them to the franchise, and have given up on content released during the Disney era. And yet, there are collectors that will continue to collect, and fans that will still devour the latest Star Wars story in whatever form it takes. 
So what does the future hold for Star Wars fans and collectors? When asked about the things that are to come, Master Yoda said, Difficult to see. Always in motion is the future. And he's right. In 2012, very few people expected George Lucas to not only sell Lucasfilm to Disney, but to permit the company to make a sequel trilogy. But it was that seismic event that kicked off the decade of Star Wars under Disney and invited fans to reconnect with the toys and relics of their respective childhoods. And heading into 2020, no one had any idea that a pandemic would quarantine most of the world for an extended period of time, propelling Star Wars collectibles to become white-hot commodities and to reach never-before-seen prices. These were two of the recent seismic events that had an effect on Star Wars and on collecting. And they were completely unpredictable, just as the success of the first Star Wars film in 1977 was a complete surprise, even to the cast and crew who worked on it. But the effects of these seismic events over the years have brought Star Wars to the forefront of popular culture over the decades, turning it into one of the biggest and most beloved franchises of all time. In a future episode, I'd like to explore where we may be headed as a fan base. I'd like to highlight some of the obstacles Star Wars will face over the coming years. And I'd like to explore the possibility of the fandom reaching another Dark Times moment, in which content and the collectibles may veer from the spotlight once again. So looking back through history at the franchise's trajectory, are we approaching the end of an era? I think it's very likely that we're about to enter a new phase of Star Wars and of collecting. Interest in collecting the memorabilia from a galaxy far, far away has ebbed and flowed throughout the decades, and it's safe to assume that that pattern will continue to some degree. And although none of us have any idea what is on the horizon, or what the next seismic event will be that will supercharge the fanbase, Star Wars has always been built on hope. It's the essence that finds its way into every Star Wars story, as mysterious as the Force, but always welcomed. And with that galactic optimism, let's continue to explore the past, present, and future of Star Wars together on Star Wars Prototypes and Production.